Yeah, man. So I was at a, uh, told you I was at a family wedding this past weekend over Labor Day. So, uh, yeah. you know, I briefly talked about this, but our, uh, the show was, uh, you know, the talk of the wedding. We were talking about quite a bit. It, I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. It's a weird thing, right? And we'll be brief because, you know, we're, we're, we, we got a ton of stuff to get through tonight. We're going to be a little shorter than usual for reasons we'll explain in a minute. But, uh, you know, my cousin found our show on his own you know, just, just scrolling through YouTube. This was months ago. And, uh, and, you know, and, and runs into our show of all things. It was like, what the heck? Wait a minute. He didn't know about the show. And, uh, and so, you know, he had, uh, he had reached out to me about it. So I hadn't seen him though. And then I saw him at the, at the wedding this past weekend. And uh, yeah. And so he was, he couldn't believe it. In fact, when he saw it, he was like, wait a minute, is that him? And he's like, sending it to my sister, sending it to my other cousins. Like, Hey, is it, am I, am I nuts? And I'm like, yeah, that's obviously him. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. It's crazy how like you just, of all the, of all the things, because you know, it, like there's no reason. It's not like he was searching for me. So the algorithm is not going to connect us to say, Oh, well, right. you know, here's something he'd never run into us before. We've been doing the show for quite a while. And then he's just scrolling through right before bed. Last couple swipes on YouTube shorts and then boom, he sees a clip of us, uh, you know, talking. And so, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. So That's it was, hilarious. it was cool though. The, you know, the family was excited about the show. They're really enjoying it. My cousins are uh, you know, fans of the show. So they, they really enjoy the show. So shout out to, shout out to them. Shout out to my cousin, nice. Michael, who uh, was the one that uh, was, uh, Michael. Appreciate yeah. you listening. <laughs> oh, he's I, hope listening. He had, I hope he had nice things to say about me. Uh, you know, he didn't mention you much. I mean, he it was huh. seemed seeming really centric about me, but I reminded him that you were on the show. And he <laughs> oh, seemed did. he seemed confused. He didn't know what I was talking about. What? Yeah, like it was it was funny. Yeah, so I don't know. He just he said, "Oh, if there was someone else, they just didn't make an impression on me." I guess, but he felt really. <laughs> no, well, he, feels right. he was. <laughs> No, he was very complimentary. It actually was quoting stories back to me from months ago that we had done that on the show. So you know, he's not funny. a big sports guy, but he was throwing stuff out there because, you know, he just said, like, man, you guys find really interesting stuff to talk about. And, you know, the way you talk about it is really interesting. And he said, like, I'm not even into sports, but, man, that story that you said, you know, a couple months ago about Michael Jordan selling the Hornets and how that happened. And he, he used no money to buy them, basically, and then was able to sell it, make a $3 billion profit. Uh, you know, he, he, he thought it was really cool. So, uh, yeah, it was cool to catch up with the family, but also, uh, you know, pretty, pretty neat that, uh, that, yeah, the show is minimally, the show has become very popular among my family. So if, yeah. <laughs> if it grows uh, nowhere else, at least we're accomplishing that. And I'm assuming all this was over the best man speech. He was That's talking right. about the show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the bride and groom was like, what is happening? Yeah. Right like, now? why would you like, be talking about this? But what? he really likes the show. So yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and count us in. Uh, we're going to jump into this thing. We're going to we're going to rapid fire uh, tonight. So, uh, yeah. So let's oh jump in and get this sucker started. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome. You get the horn show. Tad and Jeff here. We're going to jump right into this, brother. Good to see you. Yes. Yeah, you too. Feels like it's been we, a minute. 
Uh, yeah, it has, it has, and uh, we are, we are, we are gonna roll through this. We're we're doing some changes here. We're gonna explain this really briefly for people. So you know, for people who listen to the show, typically you know that we kind of have the front part of the show. We typically talk about sports. Second half of the show is politics, current events, interesting headlines, funny stories, whatever we've seen that kind kind of catches our interest. And as time has gone on. We never get through all of the topics that we have for an episode. And we're always trying to be time conscious and we end up with these episodes that, I mean, we try to cut it short and it's two hours. So, you know, now we've decided we're going to split it up. We're going to have two episodes a week. One is going to be a sports show. One is going to be basically everything else. Our take on politics, current events, headline news, you know, all of these types of things. And so you're going to still have You Get the Horns Sports, right? That's going to be on our platforms. That's going to be a podcast. It's going to be on our YouTube page. And then you're going to have the show that you're listening to now, which will have no sports and will be all politics, current events, you know, and our take on the interesting things in the news that we've been seeing recently. So uh, so it'll be a little bit of a change, but we feel like it tailors a little bit more to our audience because, like we said before, if somebody's coming on to listen to politics uh, and our take on current events, they probably don't want to sit through 45 minutes of sports talk to be able to get to that. Likewise, if you're interested in sports, we're talking about sports. And then all of a sudden we totally switch and we roll into, you know, money being given to Ukraine and things like this uh, magically, you know, that that's kind of a, you know, gives you a little whiplash there. So we've decided to kind of split it up into two episodes a week so that that way, you know, it can tailor a little bit more to what people would, uh, would want to see in here. So uh, hopefully it works for everybody, makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to follow along with us. So with all that having been said, we are going to have a much shorter episode uh, tonight, our first one in. We did not want to overload it with a ton of topics because it is our first one that we're trying to do this way. So we're going to try to stretch our legs a little bit, but I do have some interesting things. And uh, if it works with you, brother, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump right into this. Let's do it. Right. So I've got something I want to show you here really quickly if I can. Because we just had, I believe it was yesterday, a very big day, historically speaking, an important, important day. And I will go ahead and share my screen here. This, these three guys are pretty interesting characters, and I will let you hear what this clip has to say. 25-year-old Stanford PhD students, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, who have started an internet search company called Google. The company's right here in Larry and Sergey's room in the William Gates building at Stanford. The Google boys, as part of their PhDs, created a search engine, software that finds useful information on your behalf on the internet. It does what Yahoo or Excite do, but Larry and Sergey believed it did it much better and believed they could form a company based on it. Okay, so I'll stop the clip there. Uh, because the important thing that just happened is that Google was founded, I believe it was yesterday, on that day in 1998. 1998. So we just passed a significant uh, anniversary for, for Google. And man, how the world has changed. So interesting that even you listen to the report and the guy says, it does what Yahoo or Excite do. It just does it better. Excite. I mean, <laughs> yeah. a search engine, like who remembers using Excite, you know? I mean, Yahoo is still around in some form, but far smaller than it than it ever used to be. 
Um, and now Google has, you know, they're the 800 pound gorilla of, of, you know, internet search engines. Meanwhile, they're doing that interview from a Stanford dorm room talking about a new business that they started. So pretty, pretty crazy. It's hilarious too. Cause if you go further in that clip, they were talking about a, um, an investor who had given them a hundred thousand dollars so they wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have to go out there and, you know, um, try and raise the capital and do all that stuff. And Google's now worth one point seven one trillion dollars. <laughs> is what they're worth. I mean, oh, what insane. a thought! Yeah, and this is a search engine. This is just for you to find a way to find information quicker. That's and it. what they've spun that off into is just—I mean, I don't even think they could have seen that coming. No, and maybe they did. No, maybe they had the no foresight way. for that, but. I mean, they're probably just happy at that point into getting, you know, a twelve million dollar evaluation. You know, right. they're they're just happy to get that, and now they're worth over a yeah. trillion dollars. I mean, it's crazy, my gosh, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, where it went from nineteen ninety eight to now. I mean, that is such a short period of time. I mean, I was out of high school in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I was out of high school, and so from the time that I got out of high school to today. Google went from two guys in a dorm room <laughs> to now being worth most of the world. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just incredible. Absolutely. Exactly unbelievable. It. You know, in 1998, I think I was still asking Jeeves, uh, right. you know, what's, uh, <laughs> where to find something. Yeah. So. Then Jeeves would ask Yahoo or excite. <laughs> Yeah, come back yeah. and tell you. <laughs> well, oh my gosh! Like now, you you go through and you try to think of all the uh, the web browsers that you oh. used. You know, just the search browsers, and yeah. you know, it was Ask Jeeves, it was Yahoo. Yahoo was like the forefront in that. Yeah, you know, yep. then Excite, and then there was one dog pile, which I think literally was like all of them combined somehow. I don't remember. Right. I remember dog pile. Um, but yeah, and then of course you know Ask Jeeves was uh, was popular. You know they had like the commercials and things like that that yeah, were out. Butler. Um, yeah, which of course you know it, silly because you know it's like it, you gotta you know to ask Jeeves like. Hey. But then Google, what is that like? What does right. that even mean? What what you know? So crazy. I mean, they're just like <laughs> you don't even think about like the 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 web search browser wars, right? <laughs> I mean, that's really what they were. It was everyone yeah. fighting to get you to go to their site to try and, and use them, you know, to, to search for what you needed to find. Um, that's it. Crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable how things have changed and they've changed very quickly. So yeah, Google celebrating anniversary having just been founded on that day. So that made me think like how things have changed in general. And we're going to, we're going to take a little bit of a bigger, bigger view on this. But, um, you know, one of the things that struck me, cause you know, you talk about how now, uh, Google's worth over a trillion dollars. So that makes me think, you know, money, we talk about inflation on the show a lot and you know, the value of money and how the economy is changing and you know, all of these things. But one thing that I thought was, was pretty amazing and I'm going to go ahead and uh, I will bring up this picture again. If you're listening on the podcast, not vitally important that you that you're able to see this, uh, but you know it'll at least for for those watching can help a little bit. This chart that's on the screen right now is U.S. real wages since 1965, 
And it goes from 1965 to now. And if you look, it's going up and down. But in general, people are not making more money now when you count it against inflation and the cost of goods and everything. People are not making more money now than they were in 1965. And in fact, if you really go off of 1965 itself, we're making a little bit less. And it's we've had ups and downs, significant ups and downs. I mean, you look at some significant recessions. 1980 was way down. Uh, you know, 1975 looks like it was pretty far down. Uh, but, you know, you have a, a high, a spike in the early 70s. And then you have the gas crisis and everything and everything tanks. Then it bounces back. Then eventually drops way back down. And then it just stays through this even, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then, you know, it's it's crazy to think that people are not making more money now than they had in 1965. You can never, who's, who's not working? Who's, who's getting ahead. Right. And it's like, you have to have outside investments. You have to be able to, you know, to have things that appreciate and value real estate, gold, crypto, whatever that might be. But in reality, if you look at all of the time from 1965 to now, to understand that you're not actually making any more money than you were. And forget about 1965, even if you want to look at more recent times, there's no increase in the actual net income that you're making in comparison to what's happening with the cost of goods and inflation. So it's just, it's it's unbelievable to to, to see that. And uh, yeah, so I just kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on that. No, it's, it's awful. I mean, and you've got Biden out here spouting Bidenomics and everything else. And I'm like, I, I just, that anyone believes any of this stuff is just, it's, it's amazing to me. Like I have not, I've lost money since Biden has taken office. Is that all on Biden? I, probably not. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you look at the last few years of Trump or especially the last year of Trump with COVID and everything, Biden kind of comes in at that point, takes over when the economy was down. Um, but it, wasn't any better. I mean, it's not like he's done any better. I've paid more for everything since he's taken over. Right. Again, you, you can say, well, that's not on him. Okay, fine. But he can't be spouting off also like, Hey, look at my Bidenomics. Right. Well, if your Bidenomics is me spending 30% more on groceries, spending 40% more on gas, then yeah, you're doing an awesome job, I guess. I guess <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah. I just you you can't spout it and then be like, well, it's not my fault. Well, if you're taking credit for something, That's then, right. gotta, then then take the fault for it as well. That's right. Yeah. No, I've I've lost money. Uh, and, you know, I'm just I looked at every every single thing that there is right now is more expensive than yes. what it was even just three years ago everything my grocery bill has 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 probably gone up i mean honestly it's probably gone from about 140 50 bucks a week to now you know we're pushing 200 and it's not like we're doing anything more in fact we're probably getting less right we're probably you're conscious getting, of the money yeah we're so we're more conscious uh you know I, i'm not getting steak as much i'm not you know unless it's on sale like you know i'm I'm looking at these things. And so I'm actually getting less and paying more uh, gas to fill up my car. Uh, it's, it's way higher than it was. 
my car insurance is way higher than it was. Every single thing, man. So, and I, you know, I haven't seen a a great increase in in my wages, my wife's wages. I haven't seen a massive increase in any of that stuff. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know how you rectify this. I, I don't, I was just thinking about this today and, and I knew this was a topic, but I was just thinking about this today of like what we pay in America. So you tax my income, you tax the goods that I buy, you tax the property that I own, not only and and my state, not only my house, but my car, yep. you tax the gas that I put in my car you tax every single thing. When does it end? When do we say it's enough? I mean, we, you know, you, we've seen this and we may get into it. I'm not sure how far we're going to get into this, but you know, we're talking about like, you know, the people are, are hearkening back to like, Hey, we're heading for a great depression or minimally a silent depression. And it's kind of like, yeah, I can see that. Like, does there not just need to be a great reset in this country? Where, like where, when enough is enough of like, Hey, haven't you taken enough of my money? Clearly you can't control it. Clearly things have gotten out of control. Does there not need to be just a great reset on all this? And I don't know what that looks like. Right. So you can't take social security away from people. I kind of understand that. I kind of get that as I get closer to that age, I'm like, (laughs) dang, it better be there. If I've been paying in for the past 40 years or whatever it will be by the time I retire, you know, I, I need it to be there. But I mean, there has to be something that we have to push reset on and and maybe we can't do it. And it's just going to it seems like it's just going to further and further decline. I mean, you you see like in New York where the we're housing, you know, these these illegal immigrants in this building and it's costing you know, I've six thousand. Yes. You yeah, got we'll that. Talk okay. about so that. We'll yeah, talk absolutely. about that. But, but like, no, it's very just, relevant. Yeah. Yeah, just all the stuff that we are paying for, it's coming, it's not coming out of the government's pocket. Like people are like, eh, it's the government, you know, someone's paying for this. It's us. Right. It's everyone in this country that's paying for it. Maybe you're fine with that, but I guarantee there's a lot of people that aren't happy of everything that's ta- like we're taxed on tax. I mean, it's insane. It yeah. is. It, it's just absolutely incredible. And it doesn't seem to want to end at any point in time. It's not getting better. Like we talked about this, like we're now stuck with these grocery bills. Do you really think the grocery stores are going to be like after, you know, let's just say, you know, Biden's out and someone else comes in. Do you think the grocery stores are going to be like, well, all right, let's lower our prices now. Right. No, they're not. Like, we're yeah. just going to get used to paying, you know, 20% more for, for, for meats you know, ten yep. percent more for milk, whatever it is, we're we're now just going to be used to paying that because it's not like they're going to go back now and be like, oh, ninety nine cent a pound, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, ground beef, I'm right? You a break, right? Yeah. So now we're stuck with this stuff. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, as as always, we bring up all these points, we never really have an answer. It's just yeah. a frustration thing. That's like there has to be a better way. There has to be a better. Well, way I'll tell you. This. You know, you mentioned like uh, the Great Depression. So I pulled some stats. And again, we're not trying to compare the Great Depression specifically to today. Obviously, things are dramatically different and, you know, all of those types of things, right? However, during the Great Depression in 1930, the average home in the United States cost $3,900. Today, 
the average cost of a house in America is $436,000. The average car in the Great Depression or during the Great Depression, 1930, the average car cost $600. Today, the average car in America costs about $48,000. During the Great Depression in 1930, the average rent was about $216 a year. Now in America, the average rent is about $24,000 a year. Now all of that, you say, okay, yeah, but people are making more money today. That's absolutely true. The average salary in 1930 in America was $1,300. Today, the average salary or income is $56,000. So here's the issue. If the average home went from $3,900 to $436,000, but the salary only went from $1,300 to $56,000, then they're nowhere near growing in tandem. They're not going together. They're not moving in parallel. You have a home cost that is 100 plus times higher, 110 times higher than so, it was in 1930. But a salary cost that's only gone up or a salary uh, growth that's only gone up 50 times. So tell me again, the uh, what was the home price in 1930? $3,900. Okay. So adjusted for fl uh, fl inflation, because this is what everyone's going to do, yep. adjusted for f inflation, that would be $68,343. And what was the salary back then? $1,300 a year. That puts you on par with twenty around $23,000 adjusted for inflation. There you go. So, and so yeah. instead, it's fifty six thousand. So, so you can take adjusted adjust for the inflation and double it on the salary side, right? Sure. Except you said that the house was how much again? Like sixty eight thousand. Sixty eight thousand. Double yeah. that, you're only at one hundred and thirty thousand. Right. But the but the house is four hundred and thirty six thousand. Right. Yeah. So so it's quadruple that amount. So you can double it over here, but you're quadruple plusing it over here as one expense, one expense, because then you have cars, you have all of your other bills, again, groceries, utilities, all of these other things, right? And yeah, so because you say an average car was $600. That's, uh, that's like $10,500. Yeah, yeah. And instead, it's $48,000 is the average cost of a car. It's insane. So there's absolutely no way that you could claim that like our our income has moved with inflation. Has income gone up? Of course it has. But it has been so far outpaced by inflation and cost of goods that it is absurd. It's quadruple. It is quadruple the cost of, of inflation to the average American in relation to their income is more than quadruple how much their salary has actually gone up. Yeah. And it's just impossible. So how can you sustain that? Well, you can't. So what do you have? You have this ever increasing gap between the wealthy and the poor. And you do, of course you lose the middle class, right? You hear that all the time and people don't even, I, I don't think understand what that means, right? You just think of it as, Oh, you're either rich or you're not or whatever, but what does it really mean? And how would you lose a middle class? 
Well, you'd lose a middle class because you don't pay them any more than you were in 1965. But you've doubled or tripled or quadrupled all of their expenses. How could you manage to accomplish anything? How could you live? Debt is skyrocketing. Debt is going crazy. And the reason is because that's the only way that people can stay ahead. They have to go into debt, right? And so I have one more little little thing for you here. For the first time in U.S. history, U.S. Treasury returns are on track to fall for three consecutive years. In 2022, U.S. Treasury returns were nearly double the 2008 losses at minus 17%. To put this in perspective, it's the second worst annual return for U.S. Treasuries ever. The worst year was 1788. Oh, my gosh. The only time that Treasury yields have been worse than they are this year was 1788. We are looking at 200-year scopes, and we're breaking all-time records. We're seeing economic drop-off that's the worst that it's been in 200-plus years. It's unprecedented. And the idea that, that we have people, whether they're in the media or anywhere else, that continue to try to either put their head in the sand or keep our head in the sand to make sure that we don't see or understand or talk about this is absurd because it is not sustainable. And so the, the, the unfortunate fact of the matter is no nation, it doesn't matter who or where, can manage to continue on a path like this and think that it's going to last. And when you look at then these things that have happened, again, we can get into COVID and all these other things, but then you print trillions and trillions of dollars. Now you've only further flooded the market than what it already was. You further devalued the dollar than what it already was. And it only exacerbates and, and, and just multiplies the, the problems around the situation. And it's, it's just getting incredibly, incredibly scary because, um, you know, <laughs> again, we talked about this the other week, that the U.S. has already sent Ukraine over $120 billion. $120 billion, and they're not done sending money. And so when you look into how much money that truly is, if you spent $10 million a day, it would take you over 32 years to spend it all. Can you imagine such a thing? Yeah. If you counted, if a person could count to 120 billion, it would take you 11,400 years to count that high. If you stacked the bills, it would be over 7,500 miles high. So the reality is, I mean, and it's all taxpayer money. You, you were just talking about this, about how we're paying for it, right? The government says we're they're sending money to Ukraine. Yeah. They're not doing anything. Yeah, no, no. They're giving our money to Ukraine. And they're giving an amount of money to Ukraine that is impossible to imagine. Because I'm not familiar with all of the intricacies of the Ukrainian economy, but I'm guessing that $10 million goes a long way in Ukraine. But that's one day's worth of spending. And if you spent that every day for 32 years, you could only get to the $120 billion that we've given them already. 
not including what we're going to give them in the future and what we're trying to get more bills passed to give them more money. How is that sustainable? But we have people in this country that are starving. We have people in Maui suffering from these, these wildfires that can't get any assistance. We have no ability to keep kids safe in schools. We have, you know, all of these crazy problems, drugs running rampant, people coming across the border, cities falling into complete chaos. But we're not paying people any more money and we're giving all the money we have to other countries. For the record, I'm not saying that we shouldn't help Ukraine. Like personally, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case. But to give away $120 billion, when 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 is there the off switch, right? When does that stop? And particularly, again, how do you do it when the value of that money to the average person, the average person hasn't seen their actual net income increase since 1965? It doesn't make sense, man. Doesn't no, make sense. Not at all. It's, it, it is such a travesty. And this is where... You know, you you stop playing politics and you start looking at each and each individual American and say this isn't a Republican or a Democrat situation. This is a both situation. This affects everybody. So we have these old heads that have been in here, and I, I don't really know what the end game is with this because it's always about control. But who wants to control a country that is just desolate and poor and broke? Like, who wants to rule a country like that? Like, what is the point of that? What does this do for you? I I don't. uh, I guess because we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Right. So it's kind of like. But of course, you know, it's it's pushing to that limit. Like when you have hundreds, uh, you know, and thousands of people every day coming into this country and we're somehow taking care of them. It's it what what common sense is this? Like yeah. we can't do this. We can't support everybody. Sure, would we love to? Well, I guess like yeah, maybe if we're you know um, you know Saudi Arabia or you know right. Dubai or something like that, right? <laughs> Where yeah. we we literally have apparently endless money, but of course you know it, it's not that it, we don't have that. We we were never going to have that. And you're just breaking the backs of your own citizens to do this, to give money to everyone else but your own citizens. I don't understand how there is nobody like like how you could be a Democrat or a Republican and see this and not say this is a problem. We don't want these people in charge anymore and just completely overhaul the whole entire thing. Yeah. Now, I guess you could go into like, well, because it's rigged and this is rigged and that is rigged. You know, I was thinking about this today as well. Did a lot of thinking today, apparently. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about term limits for, you know, <laughs> for senators, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm thinking of, you know, two people just off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like Dwight, you know, from the office. Ah, top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Stanley Phyllis. <laughs> To get the weight loss surgery, you know, yeah. Kevin, you know, and I'm thinking off the top of my head of like two people, right? Diane Feinstein and Mitch McConnell, yep. who have no business at all being in there. In fact, it's like it's criminal at this point with yes. what we're doing. But then I'm like, OK, OK, but there are term limits because Mitch McConnell has to run every whatever it is, four yep. years. I don't know what it is. 
but people still keep voting him in. So there are term limits because I remember the whole thing when people were running against McConnell. But the problem is, is it's only, I guess, you know, the other party that can run against him. So if you're in a Republican stronghold, you're just going to continue to vote for that guy. Well, maybe, you know, you need to change your thought process on that and you need to then vote for Democrat to get him out of there. If the Democrat you don't like and he's not doing a good job, let's yeah. rotate it. Let's get him out. Let's find people that are going to do like we, we we're so divided, like it has to be vote on along the party line regardless. And that's just and of course, that's really what I, apparently they want, whoever they are. That's what they want. They want yeah. that division. They don't want you to think outside the box and say, well, you know, I normally vote Republican, but. This guy has been in the office, you know, for for you know since George Washington uh, was 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 a senator. Um, maybe it's time for me to look elsewhere. What's this guy have to say? What can this guy do? I, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I made my own case for term limits there, just because I, I don't know that people are willing to vote outside of party lines. Um, I, I just, there's not enough of us in this country, I, I guess, that says, I'm not voting because you're a Republican. I'm voting be or, or because you're a Democrat. I'm voting because this is what I actually believe in. This is what you're claiming to believe in. But there's just not enough of that. We just, we want to vote along these party lines. And now the whole thing is just, it, obviously it's not working. We, we are in an awful place. I still think we're the greatest country in in this in the world, but we're getting closer and closer to not being that. Yeah, and we need to do something before it gets to that point. Yeah, and I think that the issue is, or at least part of it, you know, as you you referenced term limits, is that it's not a term limit when you just have to get reelected. A term limit is you cannot run again. Yeah. Now whether that's four years, eight years, 10 years, whatever it is. Shoot, maybe it's just a maximum age. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's just a maximum age. Like, however we need to look at it. There has to be a time that you can no longer run. And that needs to be the focus. And instead, we're in this situation. And here's the other thing that happens, right? So let's let's really get down to brass tacks. When it comes time for re-election, what are the things that you're going to do? Well, you're going to try to demonize the other side and you're going to try to give money away to the people that you want to have vote for you, right? In a lot of cases, those are uh, lesser fortunate, lesser educated folks who you can then tell them, hey, I'm going to put X number of dollars in your pocket. I'm going to increase this type of aid. I'm going to do these types of things. It's short-lived, but it's enough to just keep you in there for another X number of years. And the reality is, it just shouldn't even be an option. It was this, the country was not founded with the idea that politicians would be using politics as a full-time job and a career for life. You would do it for a period of time and then you were done because you were doing it while you had a regular job, while you did real things. And it's turned into these career politicians and these people that have been in the Senate and in the Congress for years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. And because they're so known and they're so entrenched that their name actually becomes a brand, right? Yep. And just like no different than a lot of times people will say like, you know, oh, you want some Coke? 
It's just soda, right? It's not necessarily actually Coke. Uh, and so, you know, it's Q-tips. It's any of these types of things that become the the kind of the the name, the go-to, you know, kind of name for the product, even if it's not the actual brand. And when you're a voter and you're only voting every so often, every however many years, and you walk in there, it's, oh, uh, there's Mitch McConnell. I remember him. I know that name, right? I'm not necessarily keeping track of every Senate race, every congressional hearing, every little thing that's going on to know what I need to know about every individual that's running for office. And unfortunately, you have an uneducated voting population to a large degree. And part of that reason is because they tune out because it all sounds like static because nobody's trustworthy. Nobody tells you the truth. They demonize the other side. They try to, uh, you know, they, they, they essentially turn the legal system into a political machine, uh, which is why they time out all of the indictments and all of the different things to just, I mean, come on, man, whether, whether someone believes that Trump should be indicted or not, why? Why exactly? What is the argument that out of 365 days in a year that it had to be the day, what, the day before the Iowa caucuses or something like that? Like, why? Like you yeah. pick these things very strategically. But why would that be the case? The legal system should not be affected by politics. Right. Except these judges and these state's attorneys and everyone else, well, they get appointed by the government leadership. And so needless to say, then that becomes kind of a puppet. And then you're able to manipulate the legal system and politicize the legal system in those ways. It's just, it's insane, man. It's just, and, 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 and we're not getting better. We're getting worse because as we've talked about on the show many times, there's, they're not hiding it anymore. They don't feel like they need to hide it because nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. So they're, they don't hide anything anymore it's right in our face. And they're daring us to do anything about it. And there's nothing we can do or will right. do it. No, you're uh, putting people that walked into the Capitol building on January 6th in jail for 17 years, and you're letting someone who, you know, raped and murdered someone, they're 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 getting you know 10 years, you know, yeah. five years. So it, you know whether whatever you think of the whole January 6th thing, I, I don't know, I don't care. Um, to me, it was idiotic, um, yeah. but there was nothing there that I was like, you know, I I thought that anyone was going to, um, you know, truly overthrow the government. Like I, I didn't right. feel like any of that one lady didn't lose her life. Uh, was pretty right. tragic. Um, again, she was an idiot. She, I don't know what she was trying to do. Um, but you know, you have them opening the gates up and letting people in, and then you've got certain people who are, you know, caught on camera, removing pieces of glass, but they're nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. There's no warrants out for their arrests. You know, it just, it all kind of is like, what is happening? What, what are we doing? Everything though now has become, you know, that this kind of, um, you know, this just kind of dog and pony show. And it's just, yep, yeah, let's see, let's show how bad this side is. And then this yeah. side is, let's show how bad this side is. And uh, it, well, I'll it, tell you something else that ties in with everything that we're talking ooh. about savings rates in the U S are on the decline savings rate. So this is the average homeowner, the amount of their savings, personal savings. They fell to three and a half percent in July. So to give you an idea of how things have changed in mid 2022, the savings rate was at its worst is about two and a half percent to give you a, an idea of how much that has changed in 2020. 
savings rate hit an all-time record of approximately 35%. From 2020, savings rates were at 35%. To mid-22, year and a half, two years later, 2.5%. Savings rates are dropping sharply again and are on track to hit their lowest level since 2008. Excess savings in the U.S. are about to mark their 24th consecutive monthly decline. Jeez. Now, if you believe that that money was being saved because of stimulus money being you know, given to people, so people have more money in their pocket and they were saving some of it. If you believe that that's the case, then you also then, in theory, would have to agree with the possibility then that the government would print more money to re-stimulate that the same way and do this again, but it only exacerbates the problems within the economy. You're devaluing our dollar. And we're actually seeing lots and lots of countries now that are moving away from using the dollar as the backing for their own currency. People never thought that would ever happen. No. Now you're seeing it all over the country. I mean, sorry, all over the world. And so, you know, the dollar does not have the value that it used to have. Everyone knows that. But you have to understand why. And then you have to look at it and go, well, are we about to make the exact same mistake all over again? Well, I got news for you. There's an election coming up. So it wouldn't surprise me because guess what else you've been hearing about in the news an awful lot lately? COVID. Yeah. And mask mandates and all of these things coming back. And so yeah. what happens? You have a bad economy. COVID comes back in as the boogeyman. And then magically there's the excuse to put some stimulus money into the economy. For what reason? You know what the, the stimulus money is stimulating? Votes. Mm-hmm. Votes. That's what it's there to stimulate. There you go. Yeah. Last year, you hardly heard of anyone getting COVID. Now, all <laughs> of a sudden... You know, you got Whoopi Goldberg off off the view because she has it. Jill Biden has it. You know, it's it just one. You just it's just popping back up. Like what happened last year? Because it pretty much seemed like it disappeared. Yeah. All, you know, as quickly as it came in, it seemed like it just disappeared. I'm sure there were still cases out there, but yeah, flu was on the rise again miraculously, and now COVID's back on the rise. And yeah, yeah. we're going into in the next few months. You know, we're going to be gearing up for you know another election it's just come on again it's not even being hidden it's just and everyone's telling you this is what's going to happen like everyone's telling you they're going to go back in and now you know you've got people stop talking about wearing masks like weirdly like just completely oblivious to the fact that it's already come out and said pretty much how useless masks were that's right like we just all of a sudden forgot that and then you know people saying like Oh, well, it was the Democrat, you know, like it was, you know, such a myth that there was a lockdown. Like, and it was like one person, like, like how, how short our memory is that like, we now say that like the Democrats locked us down. And I'm like, dude, like I, I'm living a 1984 novel, right? Yeah. I talk about this way too much, but it really is. It's like, it, it, what, what what happened didn't really happen. And I'm like, well, yes, of course it is. Like the whole yep. teachers union didn't want to go back to, to school unless they yeah. had like things met that had nothing at all to do with COVID. You know, yeah. it was like, you know, curriculums and this and that and, and you know, everything else they were going to like, no, we're not going to go back to school. 
And then you, you you hear this Randy Weingartner come out and be like, yeah, none of this, ha-, like essentially none of this happened. Yeah. Like we were trying to get everything back. Like we have tweets, we have it on record. Like whether yeah. you've deleted them or not, there's screenshots of this. What do you mean? How do you look someone square in the face and say, yeah, we were, we were trying and we were pushing to get people back at school and they wouldn't let us. <laughs> No, it's preposterous, man. It's absolutely insane. And that's the whole thing is, you know, you look at this and you are seeing it, man. I was just watching something the other day where, you know, they were talking about how you, it used to be you were ridiculed and or just like kicked off of TV interviews or things like that. If you tried to claim that masks didn't work, if you tried to question anything about vaccines or different things, like it was just like, oh man, you were a crackpot. You were, and then now they would silently walk it back and it's like, oh yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I guess that is true, but it's true when it's too late and it doesn't matter. And then now it's kind of like, well, we're now it'll be, well, we learned the lessons from last time. Now we fixed it. Those vaccines, we have better vaccines now because they're already saying that. They have new vaccines. They're better vaccines. We, we figured it out now, so everything's good. Oh, well, you know, now we, now we have a better understanding of all of this stuff. Now you have housing at an all-time insane high, right? Mortgage payments to income ratios are now pushing as high as 40%. To give you an idea, the standard kind of rule of thumb is that if you're buying a house, You don't want your mortgage payment to be more than 25% of your gross income because you need enough to be able to pay all your other bills and do all your other stuff. Now, because rates are increasing, of course, and have been incredibly high, now it's about 40%. Think about that, 40%. And keep in mind that what I'm saying is that your 40% of your, in many cases, your gross income, not your net so that's pre-tax. So now you're in that situation where you start having a very hard time being able to pay for your other bills. In 2008, that was the peak, the peak of that ratio was 2008 and that was about 34% and that was by far the highest level in history. Jeez. And now it's as high as 40%. And so what do you look at? Well, you look at Are the feds going to keep rates up? 90% of all mortgages currently have a rate below 5%. And so what that means is all of these higher rates that the government has put out because they're, you know, the feds raising all the rates, who's really been affected by them yet? People aren't buying and selling their houses. So they haven't really been impacted by this yet. So how is it going to impact inflation all that much? If it's not actually doing anything to get money out of the economy, it's not doing anything to help. No, that's it. Yeah. It's it's, keeping money on the sideline. Exactly what it's doing. And it's on purpose. Uh, Clearly it's on purpose. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise you would look at this and go, Oh, we can remedy this situation. Hey, we're all, by the way, throughout this entire process, we've also given away $120 billion, but we have people in our own country that don't have enough money to save that have 40% of their their income going to housing just to be able to pay their bills, but it makes more sense to send $120 billion to a company or a country that we support because they're fighting a war against a country that we don't like and that doesn't like us. Yeah. And so everyone else has to suffer, you know, in the meantime. Right. For it. Yeah. It seems very yeah. strange. 
you know, it, it can't be, hey, let's lower the tax rate, you know, 5%, 10% and, you know, put more money in the pockets of people or, you know, let's let's cut out some sales tax here or, you know, something, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> when you stimulated, you sent those stimulus checks, like, yeah, they did. They did help stimulate the economy because people were able to go out and spend a little bit more. Yes, I'm sure they saved a good bit yeah. of it, but they were able to go out. So it's like, why is that not a country that we want? Why is that not a country that we want people buying goods, selling goods, and keeping the economy just churning? You put an extra 20% in my pocket, I'm going to go out and I'm going to invest that. You know, you're, you're investing that in businesses, small businesses, yeah. whatever. They're collecting taxes. They're paying that in. The government makes more money. It's just, it's, it's insanity to me. It's like, you know, I, I like, I, like I'm Will Ferrell, you know, I feel like I'm <laughs> taking crazy pills. Like, can I be that dumb? Is it that, am I that far off that no. you should be doing everything you possibly can? But instead we're touting like, oh, uh, you know, our jobs increase. Well, yeah, of course your jobs increase because everybody lost their jobs when COVID hit. So it doesn't take that much. But how many people are working a second job, even third job to try and make ends meet? And you're counting that now is like, well, there's another job I've made. No, you've just now made someone else have to work two jobs or three jobs. Right. I, I, I'm so confused as to the whole touting of these Bidenomics and, and people like the people that just defend this and say, no, we're in a better place. Maybe no. you, tell me what you're doing because I'm you can't not. believe it. You can't right. believe it. You can say so, it, but you can't believe it. Yeah. So show me what you're doing that I'm doing wrong because yeah. I'm doing the same thing and I'm in a worse position. So right. you tell me what you're doing better or what the government gave you that they didn't give me. Whatever it is, show me that yeah. because clearly I'm I can't be the only one that has seen everything increase. I, I just, I, I like, I don't know how you wrap your mind around this stuff. I really don't. I don't know how you defend it. Well, no, and I'll tell you, you know, you touched on this earlier, so I want to make sure we hit on it before we wrap that, that part up. You know, we're talking about all of the money being spent overseas, all the money being spent on immigration and all of these things. The Roosevelt Hotel in New York City has 1,025 rooms and American taxpayers are currently paying for every single one of those rooms to be filled by illegal immigrants at a cost of $6,000 per family per month. To add insult to injury, the hotel is actually owned by the Pakistani government. So what's happening is American citizens are paying for the housing of illegal immigrants and then also subsidizing the government of Pakistan. And so when you look at that, 1,025 rooms in the hotel and $6,000 a month. And that is $6.15 million per month. And needless to say, there are 12 months in a year. That is $73,800,000 per year that we are spending to house 1,025 families of illegal immigrants, $74 million. Yeah, that's just one hotel. That's just one. We know there's a lot more than one. What could $74 million do to help people in Maui right now? Right? Yeah. 
Just that alone. Like that alone. What could it do? And one hotel, one hotel, we're spending $74 million a year. And putting people up in a beautiful, incredibly nice Roosevelt Hotel in, in downtown New York City. Why? In the most expensive place in the country. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you send them to Tulsa, Oklahoma, put them up in a Motel 6? You're putting them up in the Roosevelt Hotel in well, the middle of downtown Manhattan. Because this is what they're going to be saying is that, you know, you've got the uh, Governor Abbott shipping them up there. So people right. are going to say, oh, well, look, had you not shipped them up there? Well, somebody still has to pay for it. That's, right. That's not the, it's really a, a moot point. He ships them up there because it's like, well, we can't handle them anymore. You're still letting people in. You're selling the pieces that would have put the border up, you know, put a border up between us. You're selling those for, for mere cents on the dollar. And, you know, it's more of a statement of like, here, you figure it out. But instead it's not, you know, they're just, oh, we'll put them up in this hotel. Like the hotel doesn't have a discounted rate for, you know, multiple bookings, you know? Right. Well, and I got something better for you here. So all of these illegal immigrants are being housed at the, the Roosevelt hotel in New York. If you go to the Roosevelt hotel website, it says, we thank you all for letting us be part of the very best of New York for the last 100 years. We leave you with this thought from the man who inspired our existence. Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much. That's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. That's what they put on the, the, the website, and there are no other tabs. You go to reserve, it just goes you right back to this. You can't make reservations. You can't book hotel rooms. It is literally owned by the Pakistani government, being funded by the United States taxpayer and filled with nothing but illegal immigrants. And you can't do anything. It's not even a functioning website anymore other than just having a quote from Teddy Roosevelt and saying, thanks for letting us be a part of New York for 100 years. And Now, this is what it's. Yeah, do we even get into? I, I I don't even want to get into it. But what? Why is a government in another country owning any property in the United States? I, I, we're gonna have that conversation at some point. It won't be tonight because they own a lot, a whole yeah. lot. China, Pakistan, India, uh, even Russia. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, and a lot of major hotels and major hotel brands that are owned by overseas entities. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to get ready to wrap this, uh, this episode up here in a second. Cause, uh, we're uh, endeavoring to be able to, to keep shorten it tonight. And, uh, by God, we're going to try to, to accomplish it at least for the first episode. Uh, but I do have this one thing. It's totally unrelated to this, but I thought it'd be something to close on. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there though, before we move into closing? No, nah, I'm good. Oh, well, actually, you know what? You know, R R I P to one Mr. Jimmy Buffett and one mm. Mr. Uh, Steve Harwell. We lost uh, two good ones. Um, you know, this this past weekend. So um, yeah, R I P to them. Good call. I actually had meant to put that in my notes and totally blanked on it. So yes, I meant to talk about that. I heard a thing on Buffett that he had put out, and it's going to be somewhere in here, and I I can't I can't quote me exactly, but I want to say that he has put out 52 albums in his career. I'm like, My is that like Lord. two a year? Like how many is that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, he was very prolific. 
That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a yeah. huge amount of music, too. I mean, oh, it really yeah. is just an incredible. Um, it was uh, as of 2023, the late Jimmy Buffett released a staggering total of 36 albums in his lifetime. 29 studio albums, nine compilation albums, 14 live albums, and four specialty albums. So, yeah, yeah. 36 albums. Well, wait, that is, read those off because, I mean, it was on, um, I, I don't know, I was listening to the um, to Sirius XM and they, they kept bringing up that stat. So what, what was it again? It says... Um, the late Jimmy Buffett released a staggering total of 36 albums in his lifetime. This includes 29 studio albums, nine compilation albums, 14 live albums, and four specialty albums. Okay, 56. That's what they, that was the number they hit, 56 okay. albums. So you add all that up. So I don't know, maybe. Very weirdly yeah. worded that they, Very, yeah, but, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 it was 56 albums. I knew it was in the 50s that they had said, but yeah. Wow. 56 Oh, 56 funny. albums dude had a net worth of 550 million dollars jeez oh. good for gracious. you jimmy buffett yeah it's impressive yeah steve harwell too smash mouth uh lead singer there had a lot of success yeah. for a while and 56 years old man i mean mm. just Better crazy failure. yeah yeah it's awful gotta, gotta be uh grateful for your health yeah uh all right so last thing i have i thought this was uh pretty crazy story here so i'm just gonna uh i'm gonna bring up something so you can see the picture again if you're listening to the podcast you won't need to be able to see this but i just thought it was uh, pretty neat to see the picture that you're seeing here they look identical they're actually two different people it's the mug shots of two different men one of them is named will west and the other one william west they were not related <laughs> They I don't believe to... it. <laughs> they just didn't they have. The uh, they did not have twenty three and me back in the day. I can promise you, those two are related somehow, some way. I don't care. It says they were both sent to Leavenworth Prison at the same time in nineteen o three, and there was confusion at first, but the staff eventually figured out that they had two different prisoners with the exact same name. Who looked exactly alike. So they couldn't figure out how to be able to tell them apart. And it turns out the warden at the prison had, had like read up and studied fingerprints. And he decided to try to use these guys for their fingerprints to be able to tell them apart. And that those two guys, Will West and William West, who were in Leavenworth at the same time, were the same age and looked pretty much identical, ended up being one of the big reasons that we started using fingerprints to ID inmates because there was no other way to tell those guys apart. They looked the same. That and so that was insane. one of the, the one of the very first cases of using using fingerprints in the, wow. uh, in the legal system. Everything has an origin story. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I, yeah. I would love to, to have someone exhume those two bodies and test the DNA on that. They had to have been related. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. and then just the odds, the names being exactly the same, yeah. looking exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, I could see the age, same you know, part of the country, going to the same yeah. prison, everything. Everything, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's always, you know, talk about doppelgangers, but they usually don't have the same name. 
They don't look exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> I mean, same area, same yeah. prison. That is crazy. I mean, that that's fascinating. Yeah. Just thought that was a really cool like thing to think like, okay, yeah, like, wow, what do you, like, back then, what did you do? You know, yeah, right. two guys look the same, same name in the same prison. What are you supposed to do with them? Well, the only way you can truly tell them apart is fingerprints. So, uh, so that's what they did. Cause I mean, they literally didn't realize they had two different people at first. Cause you'd see one guy and then a little bit later you see him again. You're like, wait a minute. It's like uh -huh. a, like the matrix or something, like a black wow. cat walking across. You're like, what? what did I just see? The deja vu. That so, is so yeah. funny. So I, I, I tell the story quickly because you're talking about like walking past. So my wife is a, is a twin mm. and, um, one of the, uh, guys that I used to, um, be in, uh, the, the, the worship band with a church, um, didn't know that. And so he saw her with me cause he was new. He saw her with me one day. Um, we were just there and then he walks upstairs and there she is with another man. It's like, am I, am I in a dream right now? And he had no clue. And he was like, wow, are you telling me she's doing this up in church? Just like this. Right behind his back and in front of his face. <laughs> I don't think he ended up telling me that story probably two, three years after, but he was oh, like, great Dude. friend, great friend. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Well, I think <laughs> he ended up figuring it out. You know, I'm not sure exactly when he figured it out that day, but he did. But he was like, you have got to be kidding me. What wow. kind of churches, what kind of people <laughs> are these? <laughs> that's so great. Oh. So, yeah. That's how it works. Well, you know what? Could have fingerprinted them. Nowadays, they'd that's just be fingerprinted. Sick. You don't have to worry yep. about it. That's Even it. if they had the same name, wouldn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I think that's everything we got tonight. We uh, we did our best here. We fit in as much as we could. And, um, you know, we'll wrap it up. We Moving forward, I think, you know, these episodes, we will try to keep them somewhere around this length, a little bit more palatable little more something maybe that somebody can listen to the first half on their drive to work and the second half on their drive back home. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that, but as always want to thank our global audience for, uh, for listening, checking us out and uh, you know, we'll continue to do our best to keep you entertained. And until next time, everybody have a good night. We'll talk soon. Good night. <laughs>